Hey, welcome to North Point Conversations, uh, a little bit different than our normal podcast, and uh, just very excited, and I, I am allowed to say jazzed, um, <laughs> even though they make fun of me for saying jazzed. Um, we're here with Herb and Kim Burkett, and just so we're clear, it's Burkett, not Burkett, right? Yep. Yeah. I've, I've Over the years, I have learned, and so that you know... Um, we already had the conversation. Herb and Kim said that they needed Michigan State mugs um, <laughs> to match my Ohio State mug, but uh, they didn't bring them. So, they, so, so, um, so you guys lose in that in that guess. process. So, um, Herb and Kim are are missionaries to Ukraine. Mm-hmm. They um, grew up at North Point. <laughs> when, so, when did you first start coming to North Point? Nineteen ninety. No, 1989. 89. 89. Yeah. Yep. 89. Mm-hmm. So we were married and expecting our first child when we moved to this area and threw a flyer that ended up in our mailbox. Mm-hmm. Really? No kidding. Here at North Point. Well, then DeWitt Community. But yeah. No. no kidding. So that would have been after Fred knows. During the time that he was here. Mm-hmm. Toward, towards the end of yeah. his ministry. That's that's incredible. Yeah. So so you were newly married, and where did you move from? Uh, from the Saginaw. Saginaw area. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you moved to take a job with MSU? Um, or with the state? With the state. Yeah. Yep. Department of Agriculture. And and are you a Michigan State grad? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> you are smart. Kim? Of course. Oh, man. That's, that's, where, that's we where we met. That's where we met. Yeah. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. How did you meet? Um, oh, that's a long story. <laughs> um, her brother, Floor, I knew the guy there. He was a believer, and I just was friends with him, and he invited these girls down, and that's where I first met Kim. Huh. Oh, but it was definitely a hello, goodbye that first year because it was just like he had this long, scraggly beard. You know, today beards are just nice, and but his was in bib overalls, and I was just like, hello, goodbye, and I was gone. But then I met him again the next year. and He had shaved. He, he actually had, and he did not have bib overalls on. I have nothing against bib overalls, but I grew up on a farm, and it's like, I will never marry a farmer. But I married wow. an agronomist. Is that how you say it? Yeah. So. So, uh, and what does an agronomist do besides become a missionary? <laughs> well, it's the study of uh, the crops and the soils in, in farming. So mm-hmm. it's farming practices. So... If we fast forward and we'll work backwards, how have you used that? How has God used that? Because I'm a firm believer that God is a God of economy. He never wastes anything. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure somehow in Ukraine, some of that knowledge has come to work. No? No, just uh, growing, developing leaders and and people in Christ. So just like Jesus said, I'll make you fishers That's of men, right. yeah. you're a grower of men. Men and women, yeah. But I would say that aspect of his, you know, crop and soil background really did lead us to being in Ukraine with the potential of thinking we'll use that because Ukraine is known as the breadbasket of Europe. Oh yeah, it's the and so yeah. So that's how that's part of the way we made that decision of going to Ukraine. Wow. Um, And again, you know, my mind gets scattered and kind of goes all over the place. Um, Has the fact that Ukraine is the breadbasket of Europe, has that been a factor in the war, in in Russia wanting to have that 
access or are there is there lots of farmland in Russia? This is I'm showing my ignorance completely. No, I think Russia's interested in other resources that are there. Oh, so okay. The mining industry and stuff uh, in the eastern part. In the eastern part of the country. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, or just even the history saying this was right. ours, yep. we want it back, and it really wasn't in the first place. Yeah. So, okay, let's go back. So you move here in, eight, in 1989, 90, somewhere in there, mm -hmm. um, working for the state, just kind of doing stuff, having babies, growing kids, mm -hmm. and something happened in what, 96, 97? Well, we were just serving in the church. Um, mm -hmm. So before that, before we even got married, I had... Uh, uh, I really wanted to be a missionary in Nepal. Um, so Nepal was a closed country at that time. And so just going in as a missionary was very hard um, or you couldn't go in. And so I could get in with my agriculture degree and uh, mm -hmm. be able to share the gospel in the areas there. But God just closed the door, kept closing the door for us. And uh, so we just thought, okay, we'll get married. And God wants us to serve here and be involved with the church and help out with other missionaries that are going to go. So that's what we did for about 13 years uh, wow. here in, at uh, North Point. And just God had grown us, too, as a couple. Mm -hmm. But it was at that point that we did here at this church had a missions conference. And we were serving on, like, if you want to call it the missions team. Yep. And um, it was in February of 99. And, you know, we came, and it was just... It wasn't a convenient time because it was in February. We had four young children, and yet we came, and we saw how God was beginning to once again change our hearts. And we began at that time just praying, praying that God would lead us and praying that we would hear his voice. And that was in February. By August, we had a missionary couple who came and, again, spoke at this church. Um, they were serving in Kazakhstan, and um, I'm not sure what, the missionary said, We're not, we really yeah. don't remember anything that was said outside of the fact that when we came home, when we went home after church, I was making lunch and Herb came in and walked, he walked into the kitchen and he's like, what do you think about being a missionary overseas? I'm like, yeah, let's do it. And, you know, obviously there was times where, you know, a process of really praying through is like, is this really what God has us for us to do? Um, but that was in already 99 by 2000. We had put in our application with Send International, the organization that we're with. Yeah. And um, again, our church sent us on a vision trip for 10 days to Ukraine. And um, by 2001, we were in Ukraine serving as full-time missionaries. Wow. I, I didn't realize that. that um, it's funny because you guys, you guys struggle to say North Point, don't you? Because it's always been DeWitt Community. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize that the church sent you yeah. to do that. That and did you take the kids too? We took two of them. Wow, we took the two of older them. We two. Took our two oldest boys, because they were at that time ten and seven, ten mm -hmm. and seven years old, and we thought we wanted them to be a part. Not that they were going to decide for us, right? But we thought that they were old enough that we wanted them to be a part of the process. And and I'm sure a part of seeing God's direction in either opening or closing doors at that point in time. Um, and let me let me just clarify at least what I remember from having heard your story in the past. The missions conference was not like hundreds of people 
coming here and lots of excitement and big displays and stuff. It was it was pretty pedestrian, right? Yeah, yeah. just a speaker came and presented and talked about how we can share the gospel um, just locally, you know, here because of MSU being so close and international students being here, that they're, they're coming to our back door. We don't have to go someplace to yeah. share. But, uh, you know, and he also shared about aspect of only 20% of foreign students actually get inside uh, an American home. Um, 80% never get inside a home. They'll visit other foreigners and stuff, but um, they will not get inside an American wow. home. Wow. It's just the opportunity of just bringing them in, sharing um, the different, yeah, building relationships, sharing the different uh, holidays that we have. And then through those holidays, you can start sharing the gospel with them of who Christ was, especially at Christmas and, right. and uh, Easter. Easter, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny over the years that, that, um, that I've known you guys and, uh, and heard your story. Um, one of the things that has just been really encouraging to me is I think we tend to think for God to do something significant, it takes some big event like you know you fill you fill Ford's field in Detroit or something like that, or you do this big spectacular thing, um, and that in that God's going to show himself show himself, and um, more times than not, it is in things that seem insignificant from a worldview that God does the most significant stuff. And sometimes, it, uh, again, if I remember right, you guys went back and forth because you had a house full of little kids. Um, do we go to this mission conference or not? Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, the number of times that that I've thought in different situations, eh, do I go do that or not? I don't really want to, but I know I should. Um, that it's in that moment that God sometimes does his... Uh, changes lives, and not just you guys' lives, but um, uh, lives of countless people on the other side of the world. Um, so what was it like um, moving into a new culture with little guys? Uh, well, um, we lived up out on Chadwick Road, so we lived in the country, and we moved to Kiev, which had over... I don't know, 10 million. I don't know. A lot of people in there. Uh, We moved from a house to an apartment. um, Wow. On the ninth story. Um, So it was just a huge change, everything. Um, Just physically, you know, moving from something a little bit larger Mm -hmm. to something very much smaller. Um, All the boys are in one room for a bedroom. Uh, So it it was a big change that way. I even remember, and some of the people who know us, who knew us at that time, when we spoke to churches and that, I remember us, you know, telling people that we really wanted to learn the language, we really wanted to learn the heart language of the people, so that we can communicate the gospel. Gospel, but I also remember um, we knew nothing. We could say yes and no, hello, goodbye, and that was it. That was it. And I remember after maybe a month, maybe two months, and I'm not sure how many people know this, um, but I looked at her and I was like, I want my passport, and I want the kids' passport. If you want to, their passports, if you want to stay here, go ahead. That's fine. That's fine. That's okay. I'm leaving. He's like, no, 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 no. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. And um, he wouldn't give me the passports. <laughs> so probably the thing. <laughs> it was, um, That's great. <laughs> but it was 
a couple months later, seriously. And he's like, okay, I'm ready. Let's go. And then it was me that was able to say, no, 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 it's okay. We're, we're fine. Wow. We'll make it. And so I think that was by God's grace. I mean, there were times that we were tracking together, that we were on the same page. Yeah. And then there were times that we were not at all. And yet God in his grace kept yeah. us where we were. So. I um, Oftentimes in, in premarital counseling, I'll talk about the—well, I've said in sermons too that marriage is a hundred-hundred mm-hmm. um, kind of relationship. And what that means practically is that there are some times that the husband carries the wife through difficult times. Absolutely. And there are times that the wife carries the husband, and you never know really where you are in that process, and you just have to trust that the commitment says, no, there's a reason that the two of us, yeah. that God has called the two of us together. So that's that's incredible. And so in learning the heart language, if I remember right, you... Um, you had to learn Russian first and then Ukrainian, mm-hmm. yeah. and they're similar but not the same. Yeah. They're very similar. Um, in fact, many Ukrainians, they can understand and will speak Russian. Um, people who are in Russia, if they come to Ukraine initially, they cannot understand Ukrainian. So, the, I mean, there's a lot of similarities, and sometimes it's to the detriment because there are times that I've been speaking, and someone will say, oh, Kimmy, Russian is wonderful. I was like, I'm speaking Ukrainian, <laughs> you know, because I've, I've thrown in enough of the Russian words or accents. Um, but, you know, Rick, even in that, we we really have seen that, that again, that was God's hand. Because mm-hmm. we started with Russian, um, then we moved to Western Ukraine, in L- to Lutsk, where they speak predominantly Ukrainian. And we really needed to, if we wanted to serve the people, we needed to learn Ukrainian. Um, and that was, it was not easy because in, because we had already learned Russia, you know, there was a lot of crossover, but years later, like now, um, we have team members who speak Russian and they're struggling to learn Ukrainian because of the Mm. situation that's going on politically. Wow. Or Ukrainians who traditionally in their home spoke Russian are refusing to speak Russian or speak in Ukrainian. Um, but even before the war in my ability to work with students, um, we had students who were coming from the areas of Ukraine that spoke Russian. And so it's not uncommon for mm. us to carry on a conversation. The person speaking Russian, I'm understanding the majority. And if I don't understand, I'll just ask. But then I speak back to that person in Ukrainian. And so you have and the they understand dual. Her. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Again, God's grace God and, and preparation for what might come. That's that's really cool. So you guys were in Lutz for six for how long? No, a long time. Fourteen years. years. Yeah. I just want to go back to the language and the difficulty of going to Ukraine. Yeah. Um, not only the apartment buildings, but learning the language. And so one of those stopping points for me was when I went down the elevator with our neighbor and their dog, and I realized that the neighbor's dog knew more Russian than I knew. <laughs> And wow, like, you know, so it really takes you back to being really humble. Um, Yeah, it's almost back to I don't know. I don't even want to say kindergarten, but I mean, yeah, you're you're back to a very basic starting point in your life of saying, oh, I can't do much. And and so the dogs in Ukraine don't speak 
English. They 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 don't they don't respond <laughs> they, to yeah, they don't understand English. they don't understand to sit or roll over or shake or whatever. Um, and and for people who are watching, um, just a couple of things that if you know who knows in in terms of God's economy, um, Ukrainians have. Uh, this is my understanding. So so straighten me out. Ukrainians have been um, reluctantly tolerant of Russian influence for the last 20 years or maybe even before that but um, they are they are proud of being Ukrainians and mm-hmm. proud of their heritage right. proud of who they are mm-hmm. um, and so like we've all learned to say the capital of Ukraine is Kiev but that's the Russian mm-hmm. pronunciation mm-hmm. Um, so I, I've said to lots of people oh no don't don't say Kiev. That's that's <laughs> offensive. Say Kiev, which is the way the the Ukrainians would say it. Well, and oftentimes, and I don't know, maybe this is a place where you can correct a lot. Oftentimes, as Americans, will will refer to Ukraine as the Ukraine. The Ukraine. The yeah. Ukraine. Yeah. And at one point in time, under Soviet rule, it was an area, so therefore it was called the. You know, it's talking about the area. Oh, never. But yeah. Ukraine is actually it is a country. So you can, you know, Ukrainians will hear that, especially Ukrainians who speak English and understand English. And it's like, why do Americans always say the Ukraine? It's like, because they're going back to what most of us or many of us were taught in school Mm -hmm. uh, when, you know, when Ukraine was underneath the Soviet Union. It's kind of like saying um, that team up north. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Instead of saying the name, right? Uh, um, so in Lutsk, what what uh, this is just for lots of people at North Point. Um, you guys are new. You know, you've been around lots longer than many people. So the first fifteen years in Lutsk, what kind of things did you do? Mm, uh, so we moved to Lutsk in two thousand four, and we we're involved with the church plant there. Uh, so okay. starting right out. We started out with uh, another couple, um, a Ukrainian couple, and just um, starting out basically um, with Bible studies and small group, and then eventually growing those groups to larger aspect and to a church. Nice. And how is that church doing now? I haven't asked that for a long time. Uh, The church is doing excellent. Um, They're reaching out into the community and helping out, especially with this wartime, uh, sending people to the front and delivering food and supplies that are needed there. Nice. Um, They're also involved, um, you know, starting other churches they have. Right now uh, there's some couples in the church that are going out to a village and looking at having small groups, and then eventually they'd like to start a church there. Mm -hmm. So they have a vision to reach uh, other places in Ukraine. Um, but that church has also sent out missionaries, um, short-term and long-term. And so wow. they have uh, a couple um, with three children in Brazil, and they ha- have started a church down Brazil. So um, so the church definitely has a vision of reaching locally um, and then also globally. So Yeah, ag- again, just to reinforce in people's mind, in terms of how God works and the power of of financial gifts and prayer support. Um, North Point sent you guys to Ukraine. Mm -hmm. You helped plant a church there. That church is planting churches Mm -hmm. 
Um, it, it really is. Uh, I, we go back to sports analogies a lot. It's the coaching tree kind of thing. You know, this person, God uses this person to impact this person, to impact this person. And we won't really see what that looks like until eternity. And then we will. Um, while you were in Lutsk, um, you talked a little bit yesterday about Andrew. Um, you experienced a life trauma that's beyond uh, what most people experience. Mm-hmm. Can you just kind of talk about what happened and um, how God sustained you through that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, do you want me to take that one? Yeah. Yep. Start out. So when uh, this is already, oh, goodness, 14 years ago, uh, our second son, Andrew, had just turned 16. And he had been sick and then, you know, kind of got better. And the rest of us kind of got sick. And, you know, just a, it was just we thought the flu going through our home. Um, we were actually in consultation with different doctors talking, you know, this is what's happening, is this what's, no, you know, what's normal, so on and so forth. Um, to make a very short story even shorter, uh, he turned 16 on the February 7th, and on February 9th he passed away. Mm-hmm. He had double pneumonia, and it went septic. And um, our world was turned upside down. Mm-hmm. It really was. Um we we flew back here after mm-hmm. he passed away because we really felt that you know he was he was becoming a young man you know mm-hmm. um, his grandparents his grandmothers had not seen him since he was just a little guy you know looked like yeah. a little boy and you know there's that transitional stage where they go from a little boy to a young man mm-hmm. and we really felt it was very necessary for um, for family to be able to see him. And we stayed in the States for a month after his funeral. And then we returned to Ukraine um, for three months because we already had a home service scheduled. And we returned to Ukraine because we felt that if we did not return at that point in time, we probably never would. Um, But coming back, and again, when we came back this time and we heard that North Point has a program called Grief Share. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness. I was so thankful for that. Because we thought when we came back, it's like, we're doing okay. We're fine. We're missionaries. We're walking with the Lord. We're okay. We were not okay. I was not okay. I especially was not okay. And someone had recommended Grief Share. And um, the closest place that we could find was either Perry or in in Lansing. And so we decided to drive over to Perry. But at the same time, I'm thinking, who's going to understand? Who's going to understand losing a 16-year-old son who was healthy? He was healthy. And um, for, for the most part. Um, anyway, again, by God's grace, the person who was leading that program had lost her daughter in a car accident. Not, not that I would wish that upon anyone, but she understood. Mm. She understood. And it was through that time. And I was sharing with someone yesterday that there was so much of the time that I felt like, okay, I'm here, but I'm not here. Mm. The sun might be out like it is today, but I don't see it any sunshine. And it, and I remember the day, because we lived on Turner at this time. Mm-hmm. We were into it on our home yeah. service. And I remember walking over by the post office, and I still remember the day. And this was months, months later mm-hmm. when the sun began to shine. Wow. It's just like I felt like, okay, we can take the next step and continue on. And it is a process. It is a long process. Um, but we've seen so many ways that God has used Andrew's life. And his death to bring glory to his name. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. So, so. But yeah. Herb, anything? 
No, I, 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 the same thing I, with Kim, there has been, we've heard so many different stories, how people's lives have been changed uh, because of Andrew and, um, and through that, they're now serving God, they're walking with God. Um, and, you know, sometimes we don't understand why God um, allowed Andrew to die, um, but we do understand how he turned something bad into something good. And um, even, you know, Kim and I, we've talked about it in our personal life with God and how we feel like we have walked so much closer now with God and knowing who he is. But at the same time, we would we would never wish on any couple right. to, or choose that to lose a, a child just because you can have a closer walk with God. I don't think that's it. But um, but we have grown closer to God uh, because of that. And so sometimes we think uh, we walk through it, but I think sometimes He carries us through it. And, yeah. Uh, kind of like your anal uh, your your thing about a husband carrying the wife, or yeah, the, carrying for the husband and i think the same thing with uh, what god does for us yeah any um any words of wisdom i uh, you know when people are in the midst of their grief it's not very comforting for somebody to say oh someday you're going to you know you're going to understand and for for somebody who's in the midst of that i grief share is a great it's a it's such a great tool, but anything out of you guys' experience that that you can just speak to. I think for the person who has lost someone, um, like you said, it's very uncomfortable. We don't, you know, if if we're if we're wanting to minister to or we want to show our care and love to another person, sometimes we just say things that are really dumb. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's just being there in presence and mm-hmm. not saying anything at all. But for the person who is hurting because they have lost someone, um, again, realize that even in those not so wonderful things other people say, they're saying that because they love you mm. and they care. Mm-hmm. Um, and there isn't, you know, I think I think that there's... Yeah, I, I would say that that ministry of presence, mm. just coming along as Job's friends, as they yeah. sat with Job, it's the problem came when they started to, to, to talk. talk. Yeah, um, and you know, oftentimes I think we just in in wanting to help, we want to say everything's going to be okay. Well, not everything is going to be okay. Right, but God is okay. And yeah, because you guys, uh, how long has it been? Fourteen. Fourteen years, and you still feel the hole. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah it's, it's, it comes and goes. Yeah. You know, kind of like they say it's kind of like uh, you're out in the ocean and you know, you're on a rubber raft, and some days it's really calm, you know, even though the ocean's really big. But then all of a sudden, the storm comes up and it hits you, and it's like, why did it yeah. hit me? You know, but new wave of grief. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think, I think my advice to somebody who's going through the grief is if it's at all possible, just hang on. Mm-hmm. You know, just yep. just hang on one day at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's enough, you know, to to have some people that can hug you, mm-hmm. you know, that can that can walk with you through the process. So you were in Lutsk for sixteen years, is that what you said? Fourteen years. 14 years um and then what led to um, the decision to go to Lviv? <laughs> 
Well, we had been praying for, um, I don't know, several years before the 14 years was up. And we just felt God was kind of bringing us to the end of things because uh, we just saw how Ukrainians were taking over leadership and they were involved with, you know, trying to start churches and they had a vision of uh, doing missionary work. Um, so we just thought, okay, what else more can this church use us for or needs us for? You know, mm -hmm. that's really a, a great functioning church when you have a church that reaches out to people locally, that they're looking at starting churches and mm -hmm. reaching further away than their their current location. And then, you know, they're reaching the world too. Um, and well, so... In short, we we were trying to work ourselves out of a job. Yep. Mm -hmm. so. Which is great. Yeah. On to the others. And that's... That's our desire. That's our goal. That's our mission hmm. is to, to what is the word, to enable or yeah. to, um, I can't think of the word right now. But What's the word in Russian? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But to, you know, empower, to yeah. empower other people yeah. to do, yeah. to train them and then allow them to do. So to we were on. actually praying for about three different guys um, that we knew in the church. And said, okay, these are three different guys that we, you know, God, if you could bring them up and saying they would like to start a church, we would jump on board with them. And it just happened to be one of them came to the top and said, yeah, uh, he had moved to Lviv and uh, he said that he wanted to start a church. And it's like, okay, we can do that. So Ukrainian Bible Church is now five years old. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, and you were installed, you were appointed, you were commissioned as a deacon. Is that the terminology? What What's the... Uh, it, it, um, About two years ago, they asked me to be the pastor, one of the pastors. One of the pastors, which is mm -hmm. um, not a... F well, describe what that is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well... <laughs> I don't know. It's a leadership team. Um, yeah. There's so there's four of us guys um, on that leadership team, and we're all the pastors of the church. So um, yeah, they voted about two years ago for Pasha and I to come on board as um, pastors of the church, and two other guys had already been appointed pastors of previous other churches. So it'd be like two others who had already been like in English who would say ordained. Ordained. Uh -huh. yes. Yep. Mm -hmm. And then. Um, Two years ago, that's when Pasha, who's kind of like the lead pastor, the pastor yep. who is um, the church helps pay his salary, yep. and Herb were ordained as well with, mm -hmm. with the church. Yep. And that's a really big deal. Mm -hmm. yeah, it is. It is. It is. So it was a big honor um, that they voted me in for that. And but it was kind of funny because he had to be under probation for a year. Uh, nice. And his boys, his sons were like, Dad's under probation. <laughs> That's um, so. When Scripture talks in um, uh, in the New, New Testament about an elder uh, being uh, worthy of double honor, that there is a sense that as a leader, it really is. Um, it's a big responsibility, but it's also a big honor. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, because it's a recognition that this person lives out those qualifications that are there in Timothy and Titus. Yep. Uh, that's cool, and to have um, to have someone like uh, so. Full disclosure, whatever. Uh, I I was able. We were able to take a team from North Point um, and come to visit in 2018, summer of 2018. And um, there is this is just my observation, and, and tell me again, there is not 
any sense of dependency on the Americans, you you really they everybody perceives you guys as Ukrainians, right? Pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> which is which is that's what it's about. Uh, you know, um, Paul when he went on his missionary journey said, I'll, "I'll become all things to all men, so that some might be saved." It really is choosing to dive into the culture, into the lives of people, mm -hmm. and to not be separated, but to be doing life with them. Mm -hmm. And um, so uh, talk a little bit about uh, the ministry that you have with uh, couples who are getting married, um, what, what that looks like. <laughs> um, so we're responsible to work with uh, all the couples that are planning on getting married. Um, so we go through about a nine-week session with them, and um, it's, it's just been great. Last year we had 13 couples. Now, all those couples, there's no way Kim and I could manage with all of them. So some of the other pastors helped out at that point in time. But, uh, yeah, we have a great time uh, working with couples and as they prepare for marriage. And then we also work with couples that are uh, in need. Uh, Struggling. Yeah, you know, mm -hmm. that they need a little help in their marriage. And do you find that doing premarital is, um, is discipleship? I mean, that it... it Absolutely. That. Absolutely. You know, because so many times that, you know, it's basically helping these young couples understand God's purpose for marriage. Mm -hmm. And what is that? Mm -hmm. You know, and then how do we work that with two very different people coming together as one, whether it's in communication, finances, children, the intimate relationship, all of those different things. And so many times... Um, People come in with like rose colored glasses and are just, can I just take those off? You know, and let's just look at what God has to say. And so yeah. it's just an opportunity of coming alongside them. And, you know, Herb said, you know, we have those initial intense nine weeks with them, but there's absolutely definitely follow up after. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and they know that when Herb and Kim, they ask, you know, how are you doing? It's just like, no, how's your, it's not just how's your day. It's like, no, how are you doing? How are you doing yeah. in God's word? How are you communicating with one another? How are you growing together as one? Um, Lviv is a international city. Lots of people from lots of places. Mm -hmm. Any of those couples that you do premarital with, um, are they all primarily Ukrainian-Ukrainian? Or are, are there cross-cultural marriages happening? There, has, there have been some cross-cultural um, but most of them, I would yeah. say most of them have, have actually been Ukrainian. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, some of these questions I'm asking just out of my own curiosity, mm -hmm. but many of the people in Lviv have come from other parts of the country. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So even though they, it may be Ukrainian and Ukrainian, they're still coming from very diverse, divergent mm -hmm. backgrounds, mm -hmm. uh, that kind of thing. Yeah. Even if you have someone who grew up in the city, yeah. versus who grew up in the village. Mm -hmm. There's very, very big differences. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, e Ukraine from east to west is how far? Mm -hmm. 600, 800 miles, something like that? 1,100 kilometers. So that's 600 miles. Okay. So a little over 600 miles. How's that for my um, my elementary school <laughs> math? Now somebody's gonna somebody's gonna write in the comments. No, Rick, you converted it the wrong way. It's not six hundred miles. No, you're going the right way. <laughs> that's okay. Um, okay, good, 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 good. Six hundred miles across. So that's like from here to the east coast. 
uh, from Michigan. And, and it East might Coast. be a little bit farther. I just know. Yeah, rough, rough numbers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, 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 it helps me to think spatially mm-hmm. how how far distance is. Well, uh, you know, to to think about it. Um, so we had a missionary in in far eastern uh, Ukraine, and so they invited us over when we were living in Lutz. And so I figured out how far a distance it was from there, you know, from our place to his place. And then I went the other direction and said, okay, where would I end up? So if I drove instead of east to his place, I drove west, I'd be in the middle of Germany. So that means I'd be going all the way across Poland and halfway across Germany would be wow. the same distance if I drove to his place. So Wow. Um yeah, it's just so funny because yeah. I, I I feel like I'm representative of most Americans in that our geography is our uh, European geography is pretty limited, mm-hmm. um, but Ukraine's a beautiful country. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the part that we we loved Lviv when we were there. Um, the fact I think I remember you guys telling me was that there were more sidewalk cafes mm-hmm. in. In Lviv, yeah, coffee shops than any city in proportionately per, yeah, per, 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 per capita per ca- per capita mm-hmm. yeah. than any city in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And Ukraine is considered Europe, not Asia. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's cool. How um, uh, th- I I want to say on behalf of North Point, we love having you guys here. Love you being in the annex. Love being able to love on you. Uh, you know, to do that. How can we pray for you? Um, what what kind of things? Uh, I asked that yesterday, I think. But uh, yeah, I, you know, I think it's with our church. Um, okay. I shared with the, the audience yesterday that our church had moved to five different locations in the last five years. And that's because uh, we've been growing and yeah. we're in another growing area. Um, and so we're looking at getting another floor in the building that we're at um, and seeing, working it out with the the, the owner of the building and see if we can expand um, because the church is expanding. So um, so you could pray for that, that the details will be worked out. But not only that, our finances will come up so we can afford it too. So, yeah. Good. So. I think, you know, just even more personally and specifically related to this summer, um, unfortunately, we're not able to spend a lot of time here at North Point. Right. Because we are on the go, and you know, we took a little breather as we visited our 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 sons, and now we look at the calendar again. And so, I think just stamina, mm. um, wisdom in how we spend that time, and making sure that we take breaks. Um, yeah, because that's it's very easy. Because I, I, you know, again, I mentioned yesterday, I feel like there's times that we have one foot here and one foot there. And that's fine outside of it can be a constant, and we really do need to make sure that we do take time. So call, make coffee, do coffee, you know, whatever. Yeah. But that we, we take those breaks. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because I've, I've said um, you, guys, you guys have institutional history of North Point, of DeWitt Community Church, that most of North Point doesn't have. You were around back there in the 90s. And one of the one of the implications of that is that many of the people who have financially supported you, prayed for you um, from the time that you've left, aren't necessarily not even just at North Point, but 
aren't in the, <laughs> not yeah they're around the world so um your opportunity to connect with people um is not just coming back here it, it's pretty diverse too um at the same time i i do want to say to everybody from north point who's watching you need to know that um our our um, financial commitment to y'all is significant. Um, it's a it's a significant part of your um, support and salary, yeah. and um, and we're that's cool. Uh, we're we're we are committed to you guys. You know, having come from here and um, and just it's just fun to see God using you. Mm-hmm. One of the things that we are I don't know it's not original with us, but heard the illustration of yes we're the ones you know herb and i are the ones who are going out but it's kind of like going down into a well we need someone to hold the rope Mm. and whether that's financially or even more so prayerfully people who are here and who are praying um who stand with us and we don't always see and we don't always know and yet one day we will. And right. that is just such a blessing. And we're just really thankful. We're thankful for this church. We're thankful for the people here and for what God is doing here as well. Because mm-hmm. we get to be, you guys, you are a part of what we're doing in Ukraine. But we get to part, be a part to yeah. what you guys are doing here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it, um, it's, it's fun. Even just in the language that you guys have used, um, we haven't talked about this, but this past fall we went through as a church experiencing God. Um, yeah, um, and that um, that process has really impacted our language and our thinking. Just in terms of, we don't need to generate anything. We just need to see where God's working and and jump on board. And we need to be looking for how He's working, and um, and and then just follow His lead. And um, it goes so much better. Mm-hmm. Um, in that in that path, so um, well, and I want to just say it's enjoyable yeah. to come back and talking to some of the people and just see how God has worked in their life and continues mm-hmm. to work in their life, and so that's an encouragement to both and Kim and I that we're not coming back to a church that's like it's going to start falling apart or right. people aren't walking with God anymore, but we do see people that are walking and continue to walking and growing in His will. So yeah. God's on the move. That's my that's yep. my phrase. Um, anything? Uh, well, if people want to stay in touch with you, is there a way that we can tell them how to do that? Mm-hmm. Um, I would say the easiest way is to just contact us, Burkett K or Burkett H, Burkett H at hotmail dot com. At hotmail dot com, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and then just say, "Hey, want to be on your newsletter list?" And we'll we'll get them set up. Great, and that's Burkett B U R K E T T H, like in Herb, mm-hmm. at hotmail dot com. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Good. Mm-hmm. Thank you guys so much for for being a part of North Point Conversations, um, and uh, I'm I'm just excited to see how. God will use this conversation, but continue to use you guys. Um, be blessed and uh, have good rest and recovery time while you're here. Thank, okay. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us.